Welcome to This Week in Common Sense starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Vericola. I'm here to help Paul run through the big stories of the week that have appeared on his website, thisiscommonsense.org. Now, we're going to be talking about a bunch of his uh, pieces that he wrote this week. Five, he writes five a week, one each weekday. See, it works pretty nicely. And sometimes we'll talk about a title, and we may not say this is the title of the piece we're talking about, but that's what we're talking about, the title of a piece he wrote on thisiscommonsense.org. So we're going to begin with the next worst thing. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So what is the next worst thing? The next worst thing? Well, first, guess where? It's in the uh, the big, currently kind of rotten apple, uh, New York City. And you kind of, you just have to think that, okay, Bill de Blasio is no longer mayor. You know, things have to be looking up. I mean, maybe not looking up a lot, but looking up maybe a little. Uh, Eric Adams comes in and uh, seen as kind of a little more conservative because he's got a police background, uh, but pretty, pretty far left, I think. Anyway, he has decided that guns are in videos, rapper videos, and that social media should clamp down on any visual depiction of guns and pretty much called for that to happen. And, you know, it really brings up two, you know, two aspects of, of the First Amendment and why we have the right to say what we want to say and why we don't need government clamping down on what we say. And one is, of course, that it's an impossible standard to somehow say how you're going to regulate speech so that only things that are bad get stopped from being said and only things that are good. For instance, you know, doesn't that mean you, you have like great movies and all kinds of art that you might like? In fact, you might like rap and you might like it with guns. You know, it's not my cup of tea, but I don't, I'm not forced to, to listen to it. And, uh, and actually I, I do kind of like rap a little bit. Just, I like the, uh, the, the cadence and stuff. It's just, there's too many dirty words and stuff. I'm a, you know, I'm an old, old man anyway. Uh, but to try to develop some standard like that, I mean, that's, it's insane. And it's, and the only reason you want to do that is to control what people can say and learn and think. And, and that's why we can't let government do that. And for the new mayor of New York City to, you know, step right out and, and decide he's going to do that, it's not okay. What's he going to do exactly? He's called on social media companies to begin to block these things, put a little statement on them, you know, all the stupid stuff that Facebook does that really, I think, to anyone who's at all attuned to kind of the modern world in which, you know, you're, you fear this dystopian state that has all kinds of power from surveillance to, you know, every, you know complete control of everything you're doing 24-7, um, it's, you know, the, the, the fact that you're on social media 
that is constantly regulating you like lab mice and regulating me because I'm on some, as, you know, it seems increasingly as little as, as I have to be, but it's, it's, we can look at it and say, as I do in this piece, that no, they're not sending in the police to arrest people who show depictions of, you know, allow there to be a, a post on Facebook or TikTok or wherever that says uh, that that shows a gun in some song, you know, that's rap or anything else. Um, but they are urging the private sector, so to speak, to do it for them. They are, in essence, deputizing private corporations to censor our speech for the government. And that is, as I say in this, <clears throat> excuse me, in this piece, the next worst thing. I'd like to mention that uh, two years ago, uh, you wrote about a different kind of crackdown on rappers in a sense. It was the case of Eliza Veda Zlat Zlatkis, who is still, I believe, being prosecuted or persecuted or whatever the word would be uh, for having 21 uh, starter pistols and toy guns that had been used in rap videos and the New York City police confiscated them. And yes. uh, it's, it's a long time ago. Uh, it was December 23rd, 2020 is when you wrote, when, you, when we published the piece. But uh, I looked at it as of the December 2021 rather than 2020, she was still under the possibility of being uh, in prison for a long time. The case is still dragging on for these stupid guns that that you know. Yeah. There was no there, there was no danger. Nobody was being hurt. They have it in for the rappers. Now you know I don't mind being against rappers. I, I don't like rap culture. I don't like anything about it. I don't like the music. I don't like the, the lyrics. I don't like any of it. But we still want a rule of law. We don't want people. to governments to behave like crazy people and this is governments behaving like crazy people and not really abiding by the spirit of the law at all or the letter as far as i can tell and this urging social media companies to start the move towards censorship on rap which is <laughs> yes none of the details matter in terms of because people can do and say things that that you don't like i don't like somebody else doesn't like tough and, and so for anyone to be suggesting this about any form of music or speech or anything else, private companies do have a right to, you know, legal right to control their platforms, but not in an arbitrary way that's, that's fraudulent, I think, almost all the time. And so I think they're skating on, on thin ice, but we know that for public officials to be urging it is, you know, you're, you're, you're basically saying I'm constitutionally limited because they don't want me to be a tyrant. Would you tyrannize people for me, please? And, uh, and it seems especially it's used mostly against the right, but the left has for so long until recent times, been anti-big corporation. And I know folks like Ralph Nader still are anti-big corporation, especially when they throw their weight around with the government. It's almost always in bed together. And um, 
and this is a, a case where you know the, the kind of the most baseless uh, attempts to you know kind of control what people can say. This is obvious stuff that that you know you don't you have a First Amendment right to say things, to sing things, to create art, to, I mean, these are kind of the fundamental things. It's like, but the truth is what, think about Assange and, uh, and, and Snowden and so on. When it comes to whistleblowers like Snowden, eh, no, we don't really believe in, in the sort of freedom that, that, you know, I mean, when someone can prove that the government was violating your rights and the government basically says, well, you weren't supposed to tell them that, uh, you know, that guy walks as far as I'm concerned. And, and uh, you know, and, and they talk about all the damage. Well, I, I think the, the damage is bad stuff you were doing and they still don't show anyone who was hurt in any real way. And, and Assange, it, it's totally a, a and, and who knows where he's getting stuff? Well, who knows where the New York Times or the Washington Post is getting stuff? And that the journalism, the journalism establishment in the United States is not behind him is sad and tragic. And it's just, it seems like the left, uh, they love big corporations instead of being anti-big corporations. The media no longer really cares about the First Amendment. Academia, you know, the, the uh, and you know, I'm old enough that the Berkeley free speech and the, you know, they came from the left, but that was a liberal left. It wasn't a fascist left. And, uh, and, and, you know, I think a lot of the fascist charges that are thrown around are, are overstated. Uh, but there's an element of fascism, and it's on both sides. And the problem is, although it's a small, small segment of, of our society, it seems to be growing in terms of, it, at least in terms of seeing it and it's speaking out. And, uh, and you know, this... This sort of talk by a mayor is just, you know, it, it shows he has no appreciation whatsoever for like the fundamental tenets of our political economy. Well, I think there should be a wall of separation between media and the state. And, uh, and just, <laughs> just like we would be all aghast if the mayor of New York started prescribing what... Uh, a rabbi could say or should say or should say or or what a preacher could say and like most of us would be aghast at that we should equally be aghast at him saying what social media companies should do about rap well, that's just absurd it i mean it should be indecent it should be like talking about your crack and whoring habits it's there's a reason why hunter biden isn't in the news very much because it's not good for the bidens because everybody knows it looks bad for the bidens because Hunter is just a, not a good person. Similarly, anyone who does these kind of things like this mayor who talks about censoring or, 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 or uh, you know, social media, what they should do about this or that, it's indecent. I don't know if I want to take a detour on Hunter Biden or not, but on the one hand, I feel somewhat guilty that we haven't talked more about Hunter Biden. Because it shows that there's a cancer right at the heart of our government. And I'm not acting like, oh, everything's been been swimming, you know, until uh, until Biden came in and he's evil and terrible. No, most of them have been evil and terrible most of the time. But but um, but Hunter Biden made millions of dollars 
trading off his dad's power. Not access to power, real power. The point man on Ukraine, the vice president of the United States, you know, in, in China, and he's bringing his son to go make deals to get money from, you know, Chinese state companies and so on. And, and all of it, and, while, and, and there's the, you know, it, on the other hand, you, you almost don't want to cover it because it's just seedy and obnoxious. And, and do you not say anything about the fact that he's just, you know, hiring, they're complaining that the, I guess his girlfriends or prostitutes, one, are complaining about how many women are there and, and you know, the cocaine and different things. And, and look, I'm, I'm laissez-faire. I don't think that's the way anybody gets to happiness. But if Hunter Biden wants to go to hell that way, as long as everyone is an adult and consenting, you know, that, that's the least of our problems. But this is just a mess. And what's clear from, you know, if you just followed, it's not like I've, you know, delved into this a whole lot. And it's not like the media has helped us find any of it, but you can't help but every once in a while go, oh yeah, here's another story. And it's very clear that the money from all these deals is being funneled, some of it, a cut to Joe Biden. Joe Biden is part of Hunter's criminal gang, and it looks like Hunter's doing most of the work. I mean, I, I, Joe got the position and stuff, and, and you got it, he's the rainmaker. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not being foolish. But all the running around on it is being done by Hunter. And of course, there was the, the email or something that came out a long time ago uh, where Hunter was complaining about, you know, I hope you will like it when, you know, dad makes me do all this and give him my, all my money and so on. Um, complaining about the cut. He's got to give his old man, the, the, the rainmaker. This is, how, this is how we deal with foreign governments. We've got some kid he's you know 40 50 years old but he's still a stupid kid and he's running around you know uh just a mess but also getting you know being the business you know the kind of the government business guy and biden's there negotiating and sipping champagne with xi jinping this is this just doesn't, these aren't good optics. And not just are they not good optics for us, the American people, these aren't good ob optics for the people you're trying to negotiate with. But of course, if you're already bought off, who cares about the optics? At that point, I mean, why waste extra, extra effort on the optics if you've already made the deal and you're getting the money and so on? And we haven't talked that much about it. Um, we talked some. I mean, we didn't, you know, we, we have we don't have the, the average media, you know, view that there, this should not be talked about. It's corruption at the highest levels. Of course, that must be suppressed. But someone somewhere is trying to suppress a vote because they've stopped the 24 hour drive through voting, uh, you know, process. We live in very, very strange times. It's kind of amusing. I got us on this subject by simply trying to show that the mayor of New York talking about rap suppression is as indecent as Hunter Biden is. I have a Democratic friend who 
anytime you mention Hunter Biden, it's a cheap shot into the poor, the poor boy trying to recover from all his demons and so on. And it's like, you know, I do feel for him, but I'd like to get him, you know, to a to a good prison shrink. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, we well, had a, a, a another piece about another crazy thing going on. Uh, the crazy optics again, the Olympics and brotherhood and international brotherhood and genocide and uh, and games. And and so we've at this is commonsense.org, we've we've had a number of memes and a video and and uh, certainly hit some of the uh, the corporate uh, shills out there who who you know have have pushed uh you know the olympics and have certainly kowtowed to china and and don't seem to understand that there's any real ethics and and in our country when they show ethics it's you know they've always done the poll first and like politicians um but there was there was an element to these olympics that's worth talking about and the best thing about this this piece, and this is a commentary that ran on Friday, uh, is the title, which of course Tim wrote uh, or came up with. I said yes to it, though. Gosh, it, it's a great title: "Virtual Private Communist." And we're talking about Eileen Gu. She's the freestyle skier. I know nothing about it. I've seen some of the video when I was trying to make sure I had her name pronounced right and so on. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't do that. I don't know anyone who can. Incredible stuff. This, this woman, young woman, is she's 18, youngest to win uh, a gold medal in the sport. And born in San Francisco, American father, Chinese mother. Uh, Chinese mother, I think, is still largely in San Francisco, but I, I don't believe is, has become an American citizen. So didn't didn't really immigrate, but is it's probably a, a, some sort of green card. Or, <laughs> it's California. Who knows? But she's there. And, um, and Eileen Gu decided, I'm going to represent China in the Olympics which is not, you know, terribly unusual. A lot of different people who, you know, are in the United States and are, are American citizens have, have gotten citizenship with another country and represented that country in the Olympics. Uh, basketball, sometimes that happens. And, you know, there's dual citizenship. Interestingly enough, uh, there is not dual citizenship with China uh, and the U.S. because while the U.S. would accept that, China does not accept dual citizenship. And you can only be a Chinese citizen. You would need to renounce your American citizenship. And you actually have to renounce it and, and pay money and stuff. I mean, I guess you could just renounce it and storm out. But, but the tax man's coming after you and stuff. And there's all kinds of implications. And so what appears to have happened is that China winked at Eileen Gu and said, we'd like you to win gold medals for us. And I think it's kind of a neat thing to, to say, hey, we're, you know, we have people who are in America and, and uh, they can come back and forth and everything's free and wonderful. And, uh, and she certainly played right into that, I think, because 
it's worth tens of millions of dollars for her. And maybe in the end, hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe in the end, you know, she tries to board a plane in Beijing, headed back to San Francisco and, and finds out that, you know, it's really not worth anything because they're not letting me board the plane because I said this or did that or whatever. Um, but what was most interesting is that she made a post about the Olympics on Instagram and Instagram of course is banned in China. And so uh, when she did this, a Chinese netizen uh, posted a question, you know, what, what are you doing posting on Instagram? How come you get these privileges and other Chinese uh, citizens do not? And, uh, and then she quickly replied, Hey, uh, well, as a, as a Taiwanese communist uh, put it, uh, let them have VPNs, called it her uh, Marie Antoinette moment. We looked into the, the you largely, Tim, looked into the VPN situation and, and uh, it was reported that it, you know, they have stepped up. I think they were fairly lax in enforcing VPNs for a long time. It's not legal to use a VPN to break the Chinese firewall. Right, the, right. What they call the Great Firewall or whatever they call the thing? Yes, the Great Firewall of China. And so there is a, you know, what, what she was saying wasn't accurate. And of course, she probably, you know, in, in other words, she's not living in the same situation. She's been bought. And, um, and that's, you know, that's a, it's a problem. And, and governments can throw big wads of money around our own government has, not always in the best way. Uh, the Chinese certainly know how to play with their marketplace. Uh, Enos Cantor Freedom, who was a Boston Celtic and has, has had about a 10-year career in the NBA, uh, I think is still, you know, I'm no expert in basketball, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I've watched some basketball, I've played some uh, I've coached uh, young girls in in uh, basketball, um, and and you know this guy can play, and and it's not like he's still the the star he was in his second and third and fourth you know year in the in the league, uh, but it, at different times he's been one of the you know he's he's been somebody on a team who's worth millions and is a super good star, and and so the idea that he would just be traded and then cut, which has also happened during these Olympics. Uh, is and it's not something we mention in virtual private communist. Uh, uh, you know, we basically talk about uh, Eileen Gu and and the fact that that you know she's making a bunch of money, but uh, you know her her mention of. The fact that you weren't censored in China and that you could just buy a VPN was, of course, censored in China. So little irony, uh, which which we see plenty of in this world. But um, but the, the uh, Cantor and I, you know, he's, he's changed his name to Enos Cantor uh, Freedom. But somehow I, I have trouble saying his last name is Freedom. And somehow that's like it's like too big a stretch. But anyway, uh, you know, I like it. I like that he's pushing for freedom. But he mentions in his, uh, you know, in talking about this some, that he had spoken out about Turkey for years. 
he had said some very direct and mean-spirited things about the tyranny in, in Turkey and them dragging people to prisons and stuff. He didn't mince words. And crickets. Nobody in the NBA cared because they're not making any money in Turkey. But they're making $5 billion a year in China. There are more basketball fans in China. You know, basketball isn't as popular in China as it is in the United States of America, but there's a lot more people in China. So there are more millions of basketball fans in China than the United States of America. And American companies are going to get that money. And if they have to tell us, you know, that China's wonderful and we better shut up and do what they say to get that money, that they're going to. Um, and, and that's sad. But the fact that he started speaking up about Hong Kong and Taiwan and Tibet and on and on and the Uyghurs, um, you know, it's, <laughs> when you talk about China, you have to like list so many different crimes at the same time. It's like, a, you know, they, they get one through or something. And you, you forgot to mention it. But anyway, he has mentioned them, just about all of them. And it's cost him his job. And, and uh, in the same way that I think, uh, um, oh, I'm going to, uh, Kaepernick, the uh, San Francisco Giants quarterback, uh, who, you know, certainly could have gotten, you know, was good enough to play somewhere. They didn't want the, they didn't want the, the bad press. Um, and Eric Reed, uh, who actually was the guy who told him, you know, don't sit down, take a knee which is, I think, a more respectful way to do that protest uh, was a great safety and ended up, you know, not getting uh, San Francisco kind of said, yeah, your contract's up. See you later. I mean, he could play. Uh, safeties are pretty important, uh, like quarterbacks in the in the NFL. And so these things happen. And, you know, and, and some people, of course, well, well that's great because he deserves it for saying whatever. The Chinese are glad. But we now live in a world in which if you are oblivious to tyranny in China, you can make a bunch of money. And if you call it out, you get hit. And the hit is financial. Um, and, you know, this is just, these are two people. You know, maybe there's a lot of other incentives and circumstances out there. But these two examples are not the kind of incentive that we want uh, that we want people to be looking at or feeling in this world. We'd like the incentive to be when you call out tyranny, you gain. And when you appease and pretend and collaborate with tyrants, you don't gain. But that was Friday's piece. That was Friday's piece. And and we should talk about, uh, we had two pieces this week talking about the give, send, go situation and the fact that here's this new group that's getting money and doesn't, doesn't at the last minute decide, oh no, the government told us that you don't deserve that money. And of course, you know, if, if people are, are involved in crimes, arrest them, if people help those crimes, arrest them. But this idea that you can just decide anyone who gives, you know, pumps gasoline into a truck 
or gives people a gift or uh, there was no evidence that this money, when it was the GoFundMe or, or uh, Give, Send, Go, that this money was going to anybody who was doing anything illegal. And, and th this whole thing just shows the tremendous control that the, the governments of our democracies have and the, and the fact that they will use it against protesters, not all. Seems like if there's if there's fires, if buildings are burning, yeah, then then hey, they might chip in. They might help get some of the money there. Uh, but if uh, if it's if it's a more conservative right wing, whatever they want to call it, and and the truth is, you know, the the fact that millions of dollars are flowing uh, to these truckers tells you something. And, and, and maybe what they're calling for is all wrong. I, I happen to think it's not. But even if you do, if you are a public servant, you ought to listen and respond in a respectful manner. That's, that's how you engender respect for yourself is to give it to others. And Trudeau in this whole situation in Canada has been horrible. And we followed up the... the, the the uh, commentaries, uh, uh, the pound signed, go pound sand. We have our own hashtag. Uh, we're very, we're very hip. And uh, uh, that was the first commentary about, you know, the fact that there, there is a way to, to do this without having to go through uh, the GoFundMe uh, kind of liberal maze. And then we had a commentary called the hacker crackdown. And that's because Gives and Go was then hacked. And the names of people who contributed were divulged. And that's a big problem. And it's a problem for their business because you don't want that to happen. People give and they don't want to be on, on you know, the front page of the paper. And I think people have a right to do things anonymously, including give money to causes. Uh, in fact, if you think about it, if you ever look back at, at the American Revolution and that time period in the colonies, so much of what was done was done anonymously because there were consequences. And, uh, you know, today there are consequences. There's a cancel culture. And uh, there, <laughs> there was a cancel culture back then, too. Anyway, uh, there is, I think, some healthy suspicion, healthy in the sense of uh, it's healthy to think about this being a possibility, and I think healthy in the sense that I kind of agree with it, and that is that uh, these hackers may have had some state help. And if they did, that's a heck of a problem, a heck of a problem, uh, because that's the sort of violation that usually you need Edward Snowden to, to inform you about. Well, Trudeau has definitely come out uh, to quite forthrightly said that they're going to use banks to stop this uh, protest. Uh, they've they've given banks authority to freeze funds upon the merest say so, I guess, of the government. Uh, no trial, no nothing. Uh, this is all an attempt to get these truckers out of there. I guess arrest them, arrest them for the crimes they're committing. But the truth is, 
I don't think they're committing any crimes that you could arrest them in any, I mean, it, it seems like it's the government kind of saying, darn it, we don't have the sort of laws that would allow you, allow us to just wipe you off the field. And they're, they're scared to death of their trucks. Well, there hasn't been a single incident in which a truck has run anybody over or smashed into any barricades or buildings or anything else. It seems to me, and, and the way the media hates this, <laughs> this convoy, uh, you can bet that any bad behavior would be shown to us quick and often. And um, it, it, it's the sort of thing that, that I find really scary because we, we, we just get propaganda. It's it, the, the, the obviousness of the propaganda uh, if you can't read between the lines, you're completely misinformed and, and, you know, disinformation, it's, it's, it, you might as well drop the dis. It's all, all information seems to be somebody's disinformation, somebody's attempt to like, you know, paint, paint pictures that aren't quite true. And that's the, that's now the goal in the media. So, so of course, that's what we're going to get a lot of. Now, every day uh, you have a piece and there's a picture. You uh, hire my friend Jim to draw a picture for you. And I like the picture best on Stay On Call, which was February 16th. Uh, do you remember that picture? I do remember that picture. And Jim Gill is, a, I think, a fantastic graphic artist. I mean, I'm always kind of looking at, at what he's going to do. But I, I remember that being you know, very uh, futuristic. Yeah, I don't know what it means, actually. I just like it. <laughs> My favorite was his sort of rotten apple on the next worst thing. Oh, that's very good. You're right. I thought that was a really good, and you have the, the skyscraper going through the apple kind of. It's uh, it's neat stuff. We also uh, stay on, uh, on call. Uh, go read it. It's fun because it's a victory uh it's about a bipartisan backlash nobody liked the idea heavens can you imagine nobody really took to the idea of the irs requiring facial recognition for certain interactions and you know the biden administration comes in and you know they, they haven't gotten everything their way, but they seem to, to really be intent on, on revving up the IRS. And I don't think that that's really where the American public is. They want, what is it, 60,000, 80,000 new IRS agents. Uh, they wanted the IRS to be able to kind of look in your bank account whenever they wanted to. Uh, I know there's the Fourth Amendment, but let's burn it. And, um, and, and then... You know, that's that's not quite enough. Well, we had a bit of sad news this week about a very oh, funny right. and uh, thoughtful and interesting guy, a uh, fun guy, in, in addition to funny, P.J. O'Rourke. I worked at Cato years ago, and, and he was always at different Cato events, uh, which I thought was a, you know, huge coup uh, to have somebody who could speak and was funny and uh, and on target. And this week, uh, we put together some of a, a couple of his quotes, and we'll be we'll be uh, 
rolling out some more. So come to thisiscommonsense.org every day and see if maybe we have one. But, you know, the first one I think everyone remembers by B.J. O'Rourke is uh, giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. And um, it's, it's almost kind of an anarchistic uh, 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 statement because, of course, uh, you don't hand car keys and, uh, and, and whiskey. Keys. Yeah. yeah. He also, uh, we had one, which I think is, uh, is thoughtful, not just politically, but, but uh, all around. And that is hubris is one of the great renewable resources. And it's very, very, very true about government and power uh, that, that hubris is hanging out there all the time. But it's, it's true for all of us maybe a little bit now and then. Yeah, we don't see any evidence of peak hubris. <laughs> yes. Though we see a steep incline. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough levity, and we've gone through five pieces, five pieces that Paul Jacob has written on thisiscommonsense.org this week. And uh, why don't you uh, come visit us at thisiscommonsense.org because that's the easiest place to find everything Paul writes, it's links to most of the things Paul does, which is not just things that this is commonsense.org, and also links to Rumble, SoundCloud, and other ways of getting this podcast. So you've listened to it, you've watched it, go to this is commonsense.org so you don't miss another. And if you subscribe on SoundCloud or Rumble or YouTube or on the website, this is commonsense.org, you can get a daily email update which will have each of the columns that he writes it's not that difficult mm-hmm.